Good morning. Uh, just a reminder to our second year confirmation class, we will be meeting tomorrow from 6 to 8 p.m. And the first years, they have a test tomorrow. Uh, they can come at 6 p.m. as normal. But I just need the second years for that full uh, two hours. Um, also, coming up uh, next Sunday, on Pentecost Sunday, we have uh, the confirmands doing their public examination at 9.15 a.m. That'll take place uh, downstairs in the Undercroft. Uh, so we, we will be pausing our Exodus study for next week, but then we'll be picking it up the following week. Our first reading for this, the seventh Sunday of Easter, is from the first chapter of Acts. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James. All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer, together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. In those days Peter stood up among the brothers. The company of persons was in all about 120 and said, Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in this ministry. Now this man bought a field with the reward of his wickedness, and falling headlong he burst open in the middle, and all his bowels gushed out. And it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the field was called, in their own language, Akeldama, that is, field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, May his camp become desolate, and let there be no one to dwell in it, and let another take his office. So one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. And they put forward two, Joseph called Barsabbas, who was also called Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, You, Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they cast lots for them, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. This is the word of the Lord. Our epistle reading is from the fourth and fifth chapters of First Peter. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in so far as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief 
or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your, by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh, to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. This is the gospel of the Lord. Those are the words we spoke on Easter Sunday. Those were the words that started our entire celebration of Easter. Today, seven weeks later, is the last Sunday of Easter. Next week is Pentecost, then Trinity Sunday, and then the months in the church year where we emphasize our continual growth in Christ. But today is still the season of Easter. Today is still the time we remember Christ physically rose from the dead 
to conquer death forever. Today may be the end of the season of Easter, but the hope Christ gives us does not end. In fact, it must not end. So join me in reminding ourselves one more time of the hope we have in this world above every other hope. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. We need to hear those words. We need to hear those words every day. We should say those words out loud every day and don't be embarrassed about that. Not for a second. We should speak those words because we need to be reminded. We can go through so much in this life. So we need to be reminded that death is not the end. St. Peter was talking about this today. During his day, some of the early Christians were suffering. It was hard to be a Christian in the first century, just as it can be hard to be a faithful Christian now in the 21st century. St. Peter encouraged them and us when he wrote, After you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. And he will do that forever. Nothing changes. Everything stays the same. Sinners sin. The unbelieving world does not want to believe. And here we are, Christians, striving, struggling at times to be faithful to Christ. In a world that can sometimes really dislike us. But more than anything, the world will often despise us. For even mentioning Jesus. For saying he is the only way to eternal life. That's not a popular message nowadays, is it? Christians will be despised for believing even the most simple, obvious things. Like the fact that God created us male and female. And that being born a male is a good thing. And that being born a female is a good thing. In fact, after God created Adam and Eve, didn't he say it was good? Try to say that nowadays and you'll be called hateful things. You will be called dangerous, intolerant. You'll be told what you believe is actually hurting some people. Nothing changes. Everything stays the same. When St. Peter was talking to Christians in the first century, he encouraged them to remember Christ is risen. He encouraged them to always remember no matter what they go through in this very short life, that there is a life after this. That's why St. Peter wrote, after you have suffered a little while, The God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore you 
into everlasting life. Peter could write these words to the church and to us because he believes the Easter message, the same message we believe. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. And that changes everything, doesn't it? Think about it. Christ's resurrection is a game changer for all of us, isn't it? I hope it is. Because it can be. It really can be. But there's so much in this world trying to pull you away from that prize that is in front of all of our faces. As a pastor, I see it in subtle ways all the time. And sometimes in not so subtle ways. I can see our jobs consume our lives. And even more, sometimes our, our jobs can consume our very hearts. And we may no longer allow the joy of the resurrection from the dead to be what drives our lives. But we let our nine to five job rule our time and more importantly, our hearts. As a pastor, over the years, I've seen sports slowly chip away at people's lives. From youth to adults, the engagement in sports as a pastime should be a wonderful thing. But it can corrupt us like so many other things. Sports can steal our time away from the church. Actually steal us away from the sacrament of the altar. Sports can swallow up our hearts. Direct our eyes toward it. Rather than for the Christian keeping our hearts turned toward that heavenly prize of eternal life in Christ. There's so many things that want to turn us away from that eternal prize of life in Christ. Nowadays, the rampant sexuality of our culture is perverting so many. Even some in the church are being consumed with lust. Sex is a gift from God meant for the mutual comfort of a man and a woman in marriage and for that miraculous event of bearing children made in the very image of God. But look what can happen. The gift of sex is corrupted by our sinful nature. Sex can become self-gratifying, self-indulgent, and not even remotely related anymore to God's design for the bearing of children. Our focus can so quickly become only about here, right now, this life, and not in what Christ has planned for us. I can see why Peter wrote to the churches. I see why he prayed for them. That after they have suffered just for a little while, the God of all grace will restore them into everlasting life. But Peter wasn't the only one who prayed for you. Today, Jesus prayed for you. It may sound a little odd that Jesus prayed for you, but he did. He prayed to his heavenly father all the time. And what Jesus prayed for today was you. 
Jesus had you in mind today and he was thinking about your everlasting life that you can have with him when he said this. This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I am praying for them, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, which you have given me. Jesus had really one goal in his life. To preserve you in the faith. Until that day comes when we all can join him in everlasting life. Because Jesus is risen, we will rise as well. That is God's promise to you. That's why Jesus did not pray for physical health today. No, he prayed you would be kept faithful until death. Jesus did not pray for safety while traveling or surgery like we pray for. No, today he prayed for you that you would be kept faithful until life everlasting. Jesus even said he was not praying for the unbelieving world. Not today. Today, Jesus only has you in mind to keep you believing and trusting in what he did on the cross for you and how he rose from the dead all for you. And he did that so you can also have the firm, certain hope that you will also rise from the dead just like he did. You will because Jesus has paved the way for you. All Jesus cares about is getting you across the finishing line to eternal life. So when our sins bother us, when the sins we have done can actually hurt our hearts, remember what Jesus said to you, that whatever sins you confess are forgiven. They're taken away from you as far as the east is from the west. When we can get weary of being faithful to Christ, when we can feel tired, when our spirits can feel like they've lost the fight, when that happens. Remember what St. Peter said to you today, that after you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore you to everlasting life. And when death does come, When we stare at death face to face in loved ones. When we see it in our own faces in the mirror. That's no day to mourn. That's not a day to cry. That is the day to lift your heads and to remember more than any other day. That Jesus who rose Jairus' daughter. And Jesus who rose the widow's son. And Jesus, who raised Lazarus after four days, and Jesus, who even rose himself from the dead, will conquer your death as well. That's a promise. The season of Easter is coming to a close. But Easter is hardly over. I hope you allow the promise of the resurrection to guide every day of your lives. I hope you allow the hope of the resurrection to energize you each and every day 
And I hope you always allow the promise of the resurrection to give you a sense of peace even on the most trying of days. Christ's promise to you will hold true. Because he lives, you will live also. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Amen. And now may the peace of our God, which surpasses our understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.